I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, hey Ashley. <laughs> Let's just leave it and run with it. All right. Hey, Dawn. Hey, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm great. It's... uh been a great week how about you it has been a very good week yes it has <laughs> good good um what do you want to talk about today um, let's just jump in let's just jump in well let's talk about the 12 steps right that's I mean that's what brought us together that's what's brought us to this podcast let's talk about 12-step program and what it is and what the 12 steps are and what it's all about all right that sounds like a plan um it's changed my life i mean that's the best way to say it sum it up for me it's just changed my entire life it has definitely changed my entire life it has changed it has changed my internal habits and by changing my internal habits, I have changed my life. I love that because I think that's the thing. It's like the, like you said, the program didn't change my life. I changed my life. I made the, I did the work. I think the thing the program does is it gives a, a guideline it gives a it gives me steps it gives me an outline to work to be able to find that um but I did the work absolutely so well let's talk about what the program is um I think it's important to say that any and all 12-step programs from um, Narcotics Anonymous to Codependence Anonymous to Overeaters Anonymous to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous all 12-step programs get their, their foundation and their base from AA from Bill W. Yes. Um, if it was not for Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and the Alcoholics Anonymous um, Big Book, we would not have Codependence Anonymous. We would not have any other 12-step um, program out there at all. And there are, I mean, I know you rattled off just a few. There are 12-step programs for almost everything. Um, Al-Anon. Gamblers Anonymous. Um, there are so many. So definitely check those out. Go out and find a list for every, you know, for our listeners, go find a list. There are 12 step programs out there for everyone. And I think I, everyone can benefit from a 12 step program. I agree. I do believe that. 
anyone can benefit from a 12-step program um from like we said aa narcotics aa which is alcoholics anonymous al anon which is for those who love an alcoholic um narco narcotics anonymous na marijuana anonymous ma all of the al anons like there's a Gamblers list anonymous. if you are dealing with an issue in your life Right. Um, but if you're dealing with an issue in your life, you please Google that issue and see if there is a 12-step program associated to it. There, there probably is. Um, there is even a Recovering Couples Anonymous 12-step program. Um, check, it, check into it. Just Google it. It's all out there. But let's get back to how the 12 steps came about. So... It actually um, came about, Carl Jung was a psychiatrist, and he directed a young man to a religious movement called the Oxford Group, and he suggested that his condition was medically hopeless, and only a spiritual, a spiritual experience could help him. And through that religious experience, he over, overcame his um, addiction, and then a famous... Um, Wall Street banker who Bill W who anyone in um, a 12 step program knows Bill W found his own recovery through um, this method and that's and then that's kind of you know he was very wealthy couldn't find doctors couldn't help him and he had to look figure out a way through a spiritual awakening to make that difference it you know it inspired his sobriety and then so so yeah for bill w it started with carl young and the oxford group also that is like the aa 12-step program original foundation is through that oxford group yeah and then in 1939 the big book aa big book came out and um it's a that book is phenomenal um it's just such a phenomenal book and then na came about in 1953 um, with a gentleman, um, Jimmy Kay, and it's kind of all history. And then the, the programs just kind of evolved and, you know, you and I have worked through our own, through CODA, Codependence Anonymous, and that's how you and I met. And yeah, and so then the rest is kind of history. Right. So I think um, as far as 12-step group goes, they are very, very, very similar. Like I said, they are all based off the AA Big Book. And if we actually went through and read the steps, there would be very few words that change in the steps. Um, and the work behind each step the work that we do when we do each step the things that change inside us are changing in a different spot it's changing in a different part of our body and a different part of our brain and our emotion so it affects a different change right so if I work through the steps the 12 steps of AA and then I go and work the 12 steps of Eladon and then I come over and I work the 12 steps of ACOA which is adult children of alcoholics and then I and dysfunctional families and then I go and I work the 12 steps of codependence anonymous um, 
And then I go and work the 12 steps of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Um, I'm going to get different things out of each of those programs as I work these exact same steps. It's, it's very um, intricately connected and yet extremely different at the same time. Do you think that I could go to AA and get the same level of recovery that I get in CODA or vice versa or CODA and OA? I think that before I can heal something as deep as a character trait or defect that is um, a survival habit, like right, a behavior that is just ingrained, a reaction. Before I can heal a reaction, I have to first heal the addiction. So. I think that they are of the exact same level of importance, but I think that what we take out of them is very, very different. An alcoholic must have alcoholism healed and and not cured, right? You can't, it doesn't go away ever, none of us, I don't believe that. Um, but it has to be healed and worked through before I can start healing the things that caused the alcoholism, right? I, I can't, I guess if I'm still drunk, I can't heal my emotional scars. Right. So I don't have personal experience with AA, NA, um, those types of addictions. However, um, I have had experience personally with um, my eating habits. And I will say I... I've done both programs. My therapist recommended CODA, and that's the program I started in, and I just had such a love for CODA, I decided let me try OA. I, for me, I love the program, the program OA works amazing, but for me, I found such a home in CODA, and my recovery was so comfortable in I'm putting quotes around comfortable because um, this was not comfortable at all. Um, it was so comfortable that I found that through my work in CODA, I was able to also focus on my, it kind of was like this, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like it was just a, like it just kind of natural progression into it changed my eating yes. habits. Because, and we're right, we had that, ex I had that experience with you a few months ago, the whole cereal in the middle of the night. And once right. I worked through it, I no longer needed cereal in the middle of the night. And I still haven't had cereal in the middle of the night. Um, right. I think, I think for, right, what you're saying, that's absolutely, when we're talking about something that is not, um, a physical danger every single time you do it you get to the root of that and you work through that from the root up that could definitely right like what you're talking about going to CODA helping to heal the OA which is Overeaters Anonymous 12 step and 
absolutely i can see how that could help heal that addiction and um i think it's important to if what we are doing is um causing physical damage such as you know like alcohol or drugs that cause your brain to change and your heart rate and I don't think it's possible to heal that internal wound while still being in that outside wound. I agree. I agree with that. From my understanding and the people that I've I've worked with, I think there is a because you do have to have a clear mind to be able to work the steps. Yeah, the CODA steps and even the ACOA steps are so um intense in looking at myself and taking my own accountability that if I am not in a healthy place before I start that addiction wise like physically like I don't I don't know cuz I was not in a healthy place when I started my steps and had I been physically addicted to something and having to go through withdrawals and fight that addiction at the same time, I, I just don't see how I would have ever been able to even begin to look at it. I think you have to have a clear mind, an, an open mind, and I feel like a substance that creates that fog in that gets in the way would get in the way of the recovery because if I'm not thinking clearly if I'm not aware and I'm not open then I'm not gonna I'm just not gonna take anything in it's just because I I I can't that's the whole point of of those substances is to numb and block exactly the extreme emotions that are, are that are there the the pain the fear it's it's meant to cover those and if we're masking those we can't work on them right absolutely so let's talk about the 12 steps um all right so step one is uh we admitted that we are powerless over people places and things and that our life has become unmanageable that is how I read tw- step one. Um, some people read it, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our life has become unmanageable. We admitted over food. Yes. Over sex. Over gambling. Over whatever. So what does that mean? What, 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 does, what is step one all about? Um, I think step for me, step one is recognizing that I'm, and I don't like this word necessarily, but I can't think of a better word. It means it's recognizing that I'm broken. I'm not in a a healthy place and being able to admit it and, and know that it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means that my life is out of control. Right, it's about authenticity, honesty, like like truly and honestly looking at me and accepting that I have a problem 
and I don't know how to make it better. But it's not bad-mouthing me. It's not belittling me. It's not meaning that I'm not good enough or I'm bad or anything like that. It just means that my life has become unmanageable. I am, it's, it's a mess. It's, and it's finding, being honest, like you said, being honest about that and accepting that there's a problem. And I think a big, big part of step one is accepting that I have no control. I have no control over alcohol, drugs, people, places, things. I am not in control. So let me ask you this. What happens, like, do you feel like this step, like I have to realize that I'm not in control the very first time that I work this, I look at this step? I mean, I think... I think the step works over and over in my life all the time. I, yes, I have to realize I'm not in control, but I think by the time most people get to this, they already know they're not in control. Do you find, and this goes for all the steps, but have you ever ran into a situation, I know I have, where I will get to step eight or nine and then something new will come in my life and it's like, oh shit, this is completely unmanageable. Like I'll spiral and I have to reconnect with that. This is an unmanageable situation. I'm feeling it out of, I'm feeling out of control with quotes around it and I have to check back into step one. I do. I think that's a big difference between dysfunctional recovery versus addiction recovery. What we're doing currently is recovering from dysfunctional patterns, dysfunctional behaviors, dysfunctional lives. Um, we may, I, I am addicted to helping other people, fixing other places, and focusing on other things. It's a habit. Like, I do it without even knowing that I'm doing it. And... If I don't accept that I'm doing that, then there's absolutely no way to move forward with any other step or to get better, right? If I can't even see that I'm doing it, there's no way to change it. So how do you go about realizing the areas that are unmanageable in your, in your life? Like what, how do you look at them? It's different now than it was. Um, So let's go to somebody that has never worked a a step ever. I wouldn't look at every separate area of my life to try to find manageability if I have never worked the steps. I would just look at life as a whole, in general. It was, for me, when I was starting step one... I couldn't focus on this relationship or this relationship or that relationship because every single one of them were awful. I was failing at every one of my relationships when I started this. So to look at each one separately for me was far too overwhelming. I had to acknowledge that my life in general 
had reached a level of unmanageability that I didn't know what to do with. So mine was a little different. So when I came, when I started the steps, I came because of a relationship, thinking that was what was unmanageable in my life. It was just this relationship. So that was going to be my focus. But then once I got to the program, I realized I still went with this is I'm, you know, going to fix myself for this relationship. And then what I realized as I went, you know, was working the steps was, oh, shit, my life is unmanageable and very in in a lot of different aspects and, and multiple relationships. And I think it could go either way, right? We were two very different people. We have had different experiences with recovery, but it's very similar. But we both kind of went about coming into it very differently and had different thoughts. Absolutely. And and I think it's important that we share that too, right? Like, I, yes, when I came to recovery, I did it for my relationship with Nick. He was going into rehab and his rehab guy suggested I look into CODA because I said I'm terrified I'm going to do wrong and I'm going to make him relapse um and so he suggested I look into CODA so when I came yes I came for that relationship to try to fix it and make it better and when I began working the steps it was like I don't know it was like I couldn't look at Everything I couldn't focus solely on that relationship or solely on this. It just hurt way too much to focus on one specific relationship. I knew my entire life was just not where I needed it to be. And, and I really, the very first time I worked these steps, I just did a, a very generalized, my life is unmanageable. Let's jump into steps two and three, and I want to come back to what you just said about why the first few steps are the way they are. So step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yeah, I mean, you have to accept that there's a higher power out there somewhere that's bigger than you. Um, This is the birth of faith. This is where my faith began. This is when it, this step was like finding that new, the new bloom that, oh, I didn't know that was way in the, you know, like you go, when you go and you have, look in a garden and you have a, like, let's say a tomato plant, but way inside is this itty bitty bud. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't even know you were there. Look how beautiful it is. And it's a... That's really kind of how this step was for me. I was not good with God. I did not trust God, and I was angry at God, and I spent a long time pushing God away. But when I completed my second step, it was really like it was really like like you just said like oh I didn't know you were there you're so beautiful you've been there my whole life really just for me and it wasn't God me either my higher power was not God but 
boy did my higher power have my back though right like it was amazing it just the sense of faith and I still have it like when I talk about my higher power the overwhelming amount of faith that pours into my heart where there never used to be it's just it really is life-changing in and of itself I'm sitting here and it was funny that you just like it's not funny that you said that but I'm it is my heart is like my heart aches because I I feel my higher power in my heart it just because it's like it's so full and I've got goosebumps literally from head to toe just talking about that that birth of like that god it's so beautiful it's so so I just have to say what just popped in my head um letting go of the outcome step two and the faith in my higher power in a power greater than myself um allows me to let go of the outcome but not every time. Let's, I mean, let's be real. Early in recovery, was I great at this? Nah. Like I, like I had to learn. I had to be patient with myself. I didn't just default to every time. Like now it's like, oh, that's HP. Oh, that's HP. You know, like I can throw it to HP all day long because I, I believe it and I feel it and I live it. But working step two for the first time, that took a long time. For me to even, I would have to second, like, I would have consciously think that there is a power greater than me. I it was still not... do. I mean, still do, like, right up to yesterday, right up to, I mean, I haven't had to remind myself yet today, thankfully. Um, but I still do. I still, to this day, I have worked the 12 steps I mean, so it depends on how you look at it. I have actually worked through steps 1 through 12 um, three times at this point. I am working through them a fourth time. And 10, 11, and 12 are kind of repetitions. We'll talk about that further. But I work them every single day, multiple times a day, for two and a half years. And I still struggle with having faith that a power greater than myself has got my back and will take care of me. I am a very, I'm very aware of the irony about situations happening. So my higher power does not play because he knows that I could easily slip back into old patterns. I have to fight very hard to not slip back into old patterns. It, get, it gets easier. I'm not going to say that. But my higher power will, will he's like, okay, Dawn, we're just not going to let you forget. I'm going to, right, okay, here we go. Let's, this is what you need. This is what you hear. It, it, it's such a, I always say my higher power is up there playing a chess game and just laughing at me because <laughs> you thought, you just thought. And I think he reminds me. But that's my awareness. I think that leads perfectly into, right? He reminds you that he's there, restores that sense of faith. And then step three, 
is that we made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now this was a new freedom. This step, a new freedom. Because it wasn't about God. It was turning my life over to God as I understood God. And that was a new freedom for me. Because I didn't have to look at God, put God in a box of what society and what history has told us God is. And that gave me a new freedom. That kept me moving in these steps. If they would have said you had to put your care into God and that was it, I'd have been out. I definitely would have been out at that moment too. It took me the longest time to even read God. Like when I would, you know, reading the first few steps, they will talk, obviously those two steps, two and three are very big on our higher power and our, you know, and finding a power greater than ourselves. And so there's a lot of communication and words, you know, God is used repetitive in that. I used to cringe when I would see that. And I still enjoy like in my mind now I have to flip it to higher power I just automatically read it as higher power that's it's I can read it as God I don't cringe but in the beginning that was a hard word for me to read in step two we accept God we accept our higher power we come to understand our higher power we have faith in our higher power um before I completed step two, I struggled with God and the word God and reading the word God. And when people would send me Bible quotes, um, I immediately assigned God to my Catholic upbringing, the Catholic school I went to, the Christian Baptist churches that I went to. For me, that didn't work. So when I completed step two, in my mind, there was this shift where I understood that it did not matter what anybody else meant when they said the word God. I don't know why I was able to do this with the word God, but not with so many other things. But with the word God, I was, it was, with step two, it was just this shift. It does not matter who they talk about when they say God. There's a filter over my ears where their God, as soon as the word hits my ears, it gets transmuted into my, my higher power, my God, my loving, caring, compassionate God. Um, that doesn't, and I have, that doesn't mean what you're like, you're saying my loving, caring, compassionate God. That doesn't mean you're saying that, that, my God, which might look different than yours, is not loving and caring. It just means your God is loving and caring for you. Yes, to me what it means, my God appears however the person that he loves needs him to appear. So maybe that's a doorknob. Maybe that's a unicorn. Maybe that's a witch. Maybe that's a spirit in heaven maybe that's an angel I don't care what that is in in your mind in someone else's mind or in my mind my higher power appears to me how I need it to appear to me in a way that I can understand and my higher power loves everyone else enough to appear to them 
in whatever way they need it to. That's what I believe. Me too. Um, So mine started out my higher power because I just did not have a relationship with, with God in the traditional form. And I, to me, growing up, God was a very um, judgmental God. And so that didn't fit well with, for me um, because, and I, you know, and it's funny because logically, you know, growing up, I would be like, wait, you're telling me that God is all loving, but yet you're telling me he judges me for being one way or the other or different or that it just did not logically make sense for me. So I was like, that doesn't work for me. So what my therapist asked me when I was, um, start with seeing her and she is she is a recovering codependent a recover you know she's been through coda recovering um she was like where do you find that 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 peace that level of peace where your body just and it's such a, a tranquil feeling and for me it was the beach that was the first place I could go I could shut my eyes and I could transport myself there wherever I'm at I can be sitting in middle of Tampa traffic and I can could transport myself there and my body would relax and it would be it would it would find peace and it would be open to what I needed to hear and see and experience and that's really what it means when it when it comes to a higher power is where when can I open who I am and trust and be willing to hear what I need to hear. And that's, for me, that was the beach in the beginning. That evolved. It's not the beach anymore. It is. It's still the beach. It's still The beach is still a place I find I can find peace in. But now it's just, it's something bigger than me. And it doesn't fit in a box anymore. It doesn't, it's not definable. That's it. Undefinable. I cannot give you a definition of my higher power. I can give you my higher power's character traits, but if you ask me what my higher power looks like, my brain does not have the capacity to understand nor describe what my higher power is. Because it's a feeling. So that kind of leads us into step three, right? Which is the act of making a decision to follow our higher power to give the outcome to our higher power and let go of that self-will what we want the outcome to be basically letting God be in charge of our lives I mean that sounds so simple (laughs) right like doesn't it it's so hard it is so difficult every day to just live life on life's terms allow people to do what they want and accept them for who they are I have been on this mission to get rid of my anger um I have associated, first off, anger is a secondary fear, right? We all know anger is not the original foundational emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion, not fear, sorry. Anger is a secondary emotion. Typically, that first emotion is fear. 
I cannot be vulnerable if I am angry. And anger equals control. When I am angry, I am attempting to control something. Therefore, I am not in step three, which is surrender and giving to higher power if I am in anger. So I'm attempting to not go into anger and not by like shutting it down or not allowing myself to feel it, but by examining it when I begin to feel it, right? Instead of simply yelling and screaming, and and I say very strongly, I am attempting. It is not, I have not yet been successful to not allow anger in. It, it has creeped in, but I'm getting much better. Anyways, um, I'm attempting to examine it, to, to genuinely surrender to why am I angry? What am I trying to control? What am I afraid of? And how can I let go of that fear? How can I let go of that outcome that I am afraid of and therefore surrender to my higher power? So what I'm getting from these first three steps is the ultimate goal is to find peace with God. Yeah, find, yeah, I mean, to, to find a spiritual path where I can believe that there is something bigger than all of us guiding this. And we're going to get more into this. I mean, obviously, you know, once we get to step 11, um, it's, you know, maintaining this and what that looks like and how we do that. Um, but I think the beginning first three steps are really just finding it and knowing it's there and it's available and it's it's being able to trust and finding the honesty the faith and surrender yeah yeah just admitting that life is an experience and I can't control it just giving up I mean not giving up but just like okay I don't like I'm winging this shit every day doing the best I can in the moment there's all those little things yeah best I can with what I got at this moment oh my gosh live life on life's terms <sighs> go with the flow so that kind of brings us to step four step four is made a searching and furious moral inventory of ourselves yeah, step four. Oh, step four. I love step four now. I do too. But step, so the steps one, two, and three are pretty. They're so pretty. You know, it's like... For me, steps one, two, and three were really, really hard. Yes. Because it was putting my faith in something outside of myself and I spent years of my life teaching myself not to rely on anybody but myself right I, I spent my entire life shutting everyone else out including my higher power any higher power anything and everything I shut it all out so for me putting my faith in something outside of myself was extraordinarily difficult. 
and looking at myself while painful in the moment, taking a fearless and searching moral inventory while painful in the moment and a wake-up call, it was much easier for me than putting my faith in something outside of me. I'm not saying steps one through three are hot, not hard, because they are. They're just, it was, they are very, very hard, but they are pretty. The outcome is pretty. Yes, they are pretty. At the end of each step, there is something positive that you feel, and it is, it is pretty, yes. Step four, not pretty. It's dirty. Oh, God, it's so dirty. I used, I love to use this analogy. Have you ever, I'm sure you have, moved, and you've had to do all the packing, all the moving, and up and down stairs, in the truck, out of the truck, you think your house is as clean as it can be, and you realize how dirty it really is because you've got all that dust and the dirt and the nasty, and you're sweaty, and right, think about how gross you are at the end of the day. And then you get in the shower and you stand under that hot water and it just, the water runs over you and it just is like, (sighs) that's step four. So I compare step four. It's a little different. So, right, I, I don't do four by itself. I do four, five, six because... I do four and five. I agree with four and five. Right. It, right. I, I, I just think, because so step four by itself, my analogy for step four is you walk into your bathroom and your child just gave your dog a mud bath. Okay. So you walk into your bathroom and your bathtub is covered in gross dirt, dried on mud, muck, nasty. Step four is the process of cleaning that bathtub. We fill it with clean water, we scrub the sides, and now we've got this gross, dirty, disgusting water. Step five is the act of draining that water, and step six is the act of rinsing that tub. It's really funny that we both use the analogy of water and cleaning and cleaning. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Water is cleansing. Because it is. But that's what it is. It's like, I think we do, you do have to, it's so ugly. It's so gross. It's so hard. Step four is hard. But it's only hard. And I think this is so important to say because everyone is so terrified of step four. Everyone I've ever spoken to, everyone I've sponsored, even when I did it, and when I first came to step four, I was so terrified. Everyone is terrified of step four. The reason it is so hard is because it creates an awareness within us about ourselves. So I remember thinking in step four when I first started it, or when I was, you know, started, was working it and was in it, I realized this is, and this was a thought. It was like, God, I'm a, sh- I'm a shitty person. God, how much of a shitty person have I been? But it's not about being a shitty person, right? That's not what it was about. It was about, I needed to realize my own. If I can't see that I am a shitty person, I will forever be a shitty 
person. Right. Step four creates awareness about the things that I have been doing my whole life without ever even thinking about doing them. Like when I did step four, I remember looking back on it and and actually going, damn, I thought I was helping. I genuinely thought that I was doing the quote unquote right thing. I was I was helping. I was being kind. I was being generous. I was giving my all. And then I was doing my step four and I was looking back at the situation with this new perspective. And it was just heartbreaking and yet empowering to be able to see how what I thought was one way really and genuinely actually was another. But had I not seen it, I wouldn't be able to change it. So thank God I saw it. Because now, now I can do something about it. And I don't have to keep being that same person that I I was being when I thought I was being somebody else. You know what I like, what I love about I do not like, but I love about step four is because once you're through step four, I made more sense. Everything I had done for the last, in my case, it was 48 years, 47, whatever it was. Yes. It made sense. Like, oh, that's why I did that. Oh, okay. That's why I did that. Oh, okay. I see why I did that. But then once I knew it, Like you said, that awareness, I could change it. Yeah, I finally understood myself, for sure. Yep. This is all about self-examination. Step four is self-examination. That's not beating ourselves up. I, Like I said, I felt like a shitty person. But that didn't mean I was a shitty person. It's just like, oh, God. Wow. Didn't realize. All right. Well, now 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 I have something to work with. And that's why, in my opinion, step five, very, very, very closely following and almost running... Parallel. Almost running intermingled with, right? Almost like as my sponsees are doing their step four, we are doing a step five together throughout that process because they are so important so that they don't get caught up in so that I don't get caught up in that cycle of look how shitty I was the reason step four and five go together is because I'm doing my and you're like you said your sponsees are coming to you to share what they the inventory that they've done and they're admitting it they're admitting it to another person they're admitting it to you they're admitting it to me at the same time, just because they admitted it to me, they get up, you know, the point is get off the phone and then you're supposed to have to admit it to God, right? Have a conversation with God. This is what I'm doing. Help me, you know, help me understand this better. And that's why I, I agree with you. Four and five are so intermingled. They really should, they should kind of just happen at the same time. It's important to not sit in that dirty bathtub Right. I mean, 
if I fill my bathtub with water and I scrub the walls and then I walk away and I just leave it sitting, it's just going to get dirty again. Even if I drain it and then just leave it sitting, it's all that dirt is still just going to be there. There's no point in putting ourselves through the work of a step four, five, step four and step five, if we are not going to follow through with it because it just leaves us left feeling dirty and gritty. Using my scenario, right? All that work, get in the shower, let the water run over you, and then you get out. You're not clean. You haven't used soap. Right gotta use soap gotta gotta use soap I think step five is about it's about integrity right it's about owning up to this is who I have been and these are the things that I have done that I no longer want to do or that I want to continue to do it is about being who I am on the inside in my life on the outside does that mean that we will always not do those things ever again? Not at all. Nobody's perfect, right? What we're talking about is recovery from survival behaviors. Even addiction is a survival behavior. The 12 steps don't talk about making you a perfect person. They don't talk about making life easier for us. Life doesn't change. Life is still life. And the things that we are talking about here are deeply ingrained survival behaviors. They are things that we have done in our lives without ever even thinking about them, without realizing what it is we were doing. Sometimes those old habits die hard, right? Sometimes they die and they're gone for six, seven, eight years and then all of a sudden they got to creep up again just to see if you're still paying attention. It doesn't go away forever. This is not an end-all be-all. This is a way of life. I think that's, for me, one of those things that I tell all my sponsees about, like, early on. I do an interview call every time before I decide whether I'm taking somebody on or not because if I don't and the boundaries are not set in place before we get started, it, it might not go well for either one of us. But that's one of the things, you know, this is a lifetime program. Um, I do, and I know you know this, I do CODA five nights a week, Sunday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I am in doing something related to CODA. Not my own personal work, because that happens all the time, right? That happens every day. But I have to stay extremely active in this, because if I don't, it's it's a slippery slope and it could I could easily make it oh I'm gonna miss oh if I miss this me- meeting this week it'll be fine oh if I miss the next meeting it'll be fine and before I know it then I'm not going back and for me this is a way of life so the few and far between meetings that you 
I know you don't miss meetings. I don't miss meetings. Um, it's got to be something pretty important. And I do that because this is a lifetime program and I need to keep this first and foremost in my life because it's given me my life. And so I don't, I'm not giving my back. I'm not giving my life back freely. Yeah, I'm definitely never going back to what I was. It's too easy. It's too easy. Once you get to the through the steps, it's just too easy to not go back. If you just keep doing the steps, it's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Like, it's easy to slip, right? Like you said, it's a slippery slope and it's very easy to lose my footing. However, at this point, I have so many tools in my bag that when I lose my footing, I'm immediately reaching for the next tool to, to regain my footing so that I don't fall all the way down that slope. And I cannot imagine the level of awareness I would have as I was sliding down that slippery slope if I were to. After steps four and five, we should, you know, right, we're going into step six. And step six is we're ent- we are entirely ready to have God remove all those defects of character. Um, so what, is, what does that mean? So for me, this is a couple of things, right? So step four is when I become aware of these defects. Step five is when I tell somebody else and myself and God about these defects. And then step six is like, I accept that I have had these defects forever and I am now ready to let go of them. Um, For me, when it came to letting go of some of my character defects, such as control, it was terrifying. I became controlling, (laughs) I became controlling around 11, maybe 12. I realized how if I can control the people around me and my environment, then I felt safe. Um, And in my child mind, that was set in stone. And I did that for 38 years, 39 years. I was a controlling SOB. It was crazy how controlling I was. Um, And I did not think I was controlling. Had you told me I was controlling, I would have argued with you until you agreed with me that I was not controlling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But step six for me, it was about accepting not only that, yes, I was controlling, but it was also about accepting that being controlling did not keep me safe. That was a false belief. That was a child's mind tying something together that did not tie together. Um, For me, becoming ready to have God remove these defects of character was all about truly accepting what they were and that they did not work. So I think it's, um, we, and we've talked about this, you know, I control for me, control was, was a huge defect of character that I had to work through. Um, 
I, on the um, other hand, with control, wore it with a like a badge of honor. Oh, I'm control. I'm in control. I'm in control. Every people would tell me, "Oh, you're controlling. You're controlling," and I would be like, "I know. Thank you. I know. I know." I was like, "It was. It was this. It was my armor." Like you said, it, it kept me safe. But instead of arguing with about, about like not like no no, I'd be like, "Yeah, I am." Because it was my, it was a mask that I was wearing to not let people see that I felt like such a fraud. And I had to work through that. I had to work through that I can take off my armor and I might not be good at something, but I get, but that's okay because it doesn't mean that's a, that's a, that's my character. My character is a wonderful, loving, honest character. That's, that's me. It's just I had these defects that I covered to protect me because that's what I was taught as a kid. It's what I had to do as a kid. I didn't have a choice. I didn't know any other way. Nobody taught me that I was okay. Yeah, that was... um the other thing that was really really hard for me to accept was that simply breathing made me good enough I didn't need to be better I didn't need to prove I was good enough I deserved every single thing my heart yearned for simply because I breathed So we talked about control being one of the character defects. What are some of the other ones? Oh man, the list goes on and on. <laughs> um, another good one for me was avoidance. Denial. We have self-esteem. My self-esteem was horrible. I was judgmental as hell. <laughs> I was so crazy judgmental because I was so hard on myself. Um, what is the other one? The chameleon aspect? Compliance. <laughs> Compliance. I would just, I would just, yeah, I was just thinking, I'm like, like, I would transform into what everybody else thought I should be. Like, I never, like, I was so opinionated. And this is what's so, it like, got, it sounds so, like, such an oxymoron, because I'm sitting here saying I was so compliant, but I would but I can say that I was so confident. I was so, like, if I knew, like, I was right and I was always right. And Oh, and I was adamant. If I was right, you were damn wrong. Oh, yes. I would, I mean, I, I used to say that too. I'd be like, oh, if I'm right, I'm going to fight till the death to prove I'm right. And I would. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I used to say that too. I was, if I was, if I knew I was right, there was absolutely no other option except for whoever I was talking to to be wrong. Period. End of story. And they needed to acknowledge that they were wrong or they were just even wronger. Yep. And I was going to beat them down. Not not in a mean way. It's like, right, not that. But I would be just... Until they almost were like... They would give up. Like you totally lacked empathy for them. Yeah. There's that's another one of those codependent characteristics is lacking empathy. 
even though I felt like I was the most empathetic person in the world. It's really crazy how, like, and, and I remember thinking this when I first became aware of all of these character defects. In the moment when I was living in this, going through these specific situations... I really genuinely believed what I was trying to do was for the other person's best interests. It was for them. I was all about them. It, it had to be empathy because it was all about what was best for them. I didn't realize in that moment just how self-centered that was. I think... One of the things that I personally had to accept was I really was in my heart doing what was best, I thought was best for everybody else. I really did. But what I realized, what the recovery gave me and working the steps gave me was the understanding that by my actions and what I was doing and saying was true manipulation. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Coda gave me the ability to see that for sure. 12 steps did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did. I, I was trying to do the best I could what I for other people. I was really thinking of other people. The problem is I was I was doing it with what I knew then. Right. The problem is that my thinker was designed in the mind of a child who was going through some shit and her wires got all jumbled up and they started reacting really intensely in one way and not intense enough in another and then really, really intense over here and those wires just stayed that way forever. So while I thought I was doing the best and I thought I was doing what was right, the wires that connected those things were just crisscrossed and they were all intertwined and all tangled up. And that's what we're doing here in these steps, four and five and six, is unwinding those wires and straightening them out. And then accepting that they were there and that they were wrong in the not wrong but different right they weren't the way that we wanted them to be yeah and then we just have to humbly ask our higher power to remove them and this yeah and it's the purest form of transformation from our character is saying to a, high, a, high, a power greater than us that I am aware of this and I need help to remove them. And that, yeah, there is absolutely nothing more empowering than to humbly ask a power greater than yourself to take away things that I don't like about me. It just, I don't, I don't, like there's such an acceptance and a 
connection that comes with that. It made me realize that I'm okay. I have doing, I've done these patterns and I've, and I, cause I think that's what, when I ask, when I'm asking higher power to remove them, I'm not asking him to remove them because I hated them or that I don't like myself or right no step seven is is or step six is acceptance right it's okay I did these things humbly ask my higher power to remove them I did these things I didn't know what I was doing at the time but I can see how these character defects have harmed others and have harmed myself and, at this, and that's oops sorry go no ahead. that's okay I was just gonna say and that's the 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 key to these four steps this next group the next group this grouping of steps is is finding peace with me finding peace with myself that is the key that's exactly word for word almost I was gonna say that's the key to these steps is that final step of right go back to that dirty bathtub analogy and at this point you've rinsed it with the clean water and now it's bright and shiny in that towel dry step and now it's just sparkling and it is just this finished beautiful blank canvas to just enjoy it, it I step seven is just this um I don't know how to describe it it's like this miraculous wave of faith in something bigger than me and humility with understanding that I'm worth it I don't know how else to describe like all of that to me feels like an oxymoron when I say it right it does doesn't it it's oh it's crazy it really does but it's like this like I have the power I am a a very worthwhile powerful amazing beautiful soul and I screw up and I make mistakes and there's a power even bigger than me and even greater than me that knows a hell of a lot more than me that I have faith in. And that is just the culmination of of these four steps. They're not easy, but man, it's so worth it. It's so worth it at the end. Um, Did you find that just because we were working steps four through seven and you worked got through step seven that your peace with God steps one through and one two and three deepened even more as you become more aware of yourself oh absolutely so right for me step seven asking a higher power becoming willing step six becoming willing to ask a higher power and then asking him to remove these shortcomings at first it felt like this um 
You mean I'm supposed to ask this being that gave me these shortcomings to please take them away? What? Why would I do that? Like, like at first, it kind of felt like that to me. And then as I worked the steps, so when I say at first, I mean, right, the first couple of weeks in CODA when I heard people talk about this before I actually worked the steps, it felt like that to me. Like, why would I ask this? Why would I ask him to take them away when he's the one that gave them to me? Like, he put them there. Why is he going to take them away? Like, it just didn't feel right. But then when I did these steps in order this way, by the time I completed step seven, it felt like I trusted. We just, I did not renew my relationship with God. I built an entirely new relationship with my God and that relationship became concreted in stone with the act of completing step seven. Um, I want to definitely keep talking about the steps, Ashley, but I would love for us to break this up into another session, another episode, um, talking about the remaining steps because this is a lot. It's a lot to talk about these steps and to get through all of this. Um, but there's something I wanted to read, and I would have read it earlier if I would have seen it, but I did not see it until now. There's probably a reason. Um, so I'm reading AA Cleveland has um, a website, and so I'm reading it from here. With the help of a power greater than ourselves, the steps can be a tool to relieve our suffering fill our emptiness, and help us extend God's presence in our lives. This releases energy, love, and joy that are new to us. It is a program we follow at our own pace, in our own way. We walk this journey one step at a time with our higher power's help and the support of others in the program. All we need is an open mind. I love that. I do too. I think that's a great place to leave this until next week sounds great um just we'll recap and get into the remaining remaining steps um thank you for having this conversation with me and I think that's one of the beautiful things about having conversations with someone in a, um in a similar program is we learn if we're open and we can learn more and more about our recovery through our conversation with others and so I appreciate your um, having this conversation with me Thank you, Dawn. Me too. It's crazy that when we started recording this, we weren't sure what we were going to talk about. And here we are. Look how great it was. <laughs> I know, right? And we have to split it into two, but that's okay. What an awesome week. Thank you so much. You. I, I agree. An amazing conversation. Listeners, please jump in. Feel free. Email, call, text, chat, however you get a hold of us, please do. Um, yeah, share your recovery stories. We would love to hear those as well. What was your experience working the first seven steps? What was your, what was your, what did it look like to find your peace with God, to find the peace with yourself? All right, everyone have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.